Chapter Seven of Outlaws of Ravenhurst by Sister M. Imelda Wallace, S.L. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. My friend Godfrey. There was a ray of light teasing Gordon's eyes. He turned sleepily toward the wall. How did he happen to be in bed? Who put him there? He could not remember undressing at all. Was it his mother? She had been talking to him about his father. What? Oh, yes, he was in prison somewhere, or, perhaps, dead. She had been telling him things, about a hero greater than Langsword, about a sacred stone in a fireplace. No, she did not tell him, only started to do that, and then broke off suddenly as things will stop in a dream. Gordon opened his eyes. My, how late, he thought with a start. It's broad daylight. Gordon turned the coverlet back, rolled over, stared a moment, began to rub his eyes. I am not in the same room. Yes, I am, he puzzled. The bed is the same, the windows and the pictures, but the fireplace. That is not the fireplace I saw last night. It can't be the same room. Yes, it is. There is the chair where we sat. There are the antlers belonging to fire the braze. Last night they were right up there on top but not on top of that fireplace. I am all turned round. He sat still upon the edge of the bed. There was indeed a great carved mantle, a beautiful work of old-style art. There were four pillars, two above and two below the mantle, but the two which rested on the hearth were not yeomen of the guard, and the two above were not knights, but oaken trunks round which a grapevine twined. Here and there clusters peeped temptingly from among the carved leaves. A beautiful work of brush and chisel, but not the fireplace beside which he had been seated while his mother spoke of long ago. There was a painting above the mantel, just beneath an arch of vines, but not the one he had seen last night, beneath the crossed swords. The same place, the same size and shape, but not the same picture. It was not an aged warrior and a lad, but a kilted chieftain of long, long ago, standing with one foot upon a fallen deer. Below, the gilded title shone in the sunlight. Sir David Gordon, Lord Rock Raven, first laird of Ravenhurst, commonly called Old Fire the Braze. Lady Margaret had said the mantle was held sacred, but many odd trifles lay upon it, French knick-knacks and shells from beyond the sea. The blackened hearthstone showed no trace of that silver spot. Nothing seemed the same. The door opened, framing Godfrey's smiling face. "'Well, my lord, are you awake at last? "'If you had slept a little longer, "'you might have slept the clock around once more.' "'Very late, isn't it?' "'But Gordon's mind was elsewhere. "'No, my lord, it is still quite early. Two o'clock by the sundial, sir.' Two in the afternoon?' Two by the dial, my lord.' "'Why didn't Benson call me?' "'Benson? Pray, who is Benson?' "'Don't you know Benson?' She's the kind old woman who gave you my supper. Oh, you mean Betsy. No, I mean Benson. Your lordship might call her Ben's daughter, though, if my memory play me no trick, her father's name was Tam. I think she would not take kindly to the name of Ben's son. But call her what you may. Don't say she is a good old soul. Betsy is a blooming lass, turned sixteen last Candlemas. She is old, and her name is Benson. I know, because she gave you my supper. "'Have your own will, my lord,' 
but I would not take your word, nor even your oath, for anything which happened last night. Aye, but you were one right royal sleepy-head. The guests were scarcely seated, when down went your head on your mother's silken knee, and there was no waking our young lord at all, though the great folks from miles round had come to see you. So Betsy was called, and she led you away. My sakes, Master Godfrey, she said to me later, I brought him a fine pigeon pie, but down goes his head on the table, and off to sleep again. Poor tired lamb. I led him to this room just now. Will you run upstairs and put him to bed? So up I came. Here you were, standing with your head against the fireplace, sound asleep on your own two feet, and asleep you've been ever since. The puzzled boy rubbed his eyes again, and his mind struggled to clear itself. He did have his head against the mantle, but not that mantle. It was his mother, not Godfrey, who found him, and they sat a long time in that great leather chair by the fireplace, but not that fireplace. He would ask his mother about it sometime when they would be alone. It wouldn't do to ask Godfrey. Then he spoke aloud. What did my mother say when I was not there for breakfast? Oh, she had no time to trouble herself about so small a matter. All the great folk rode over to Lindsay Hall quite early. The young Lord of Bethune is to be married this day fortnight, and the gentle Lady Anne of Lindsay is to be his bride. Why does she go so soon? The wedding is not to be for two weeks. My mother will not be away all that time, will she? What would she be doing? Doing? What would any lady be doing? Dancing and riding out with the hunt, to be sure, having a gay and merry fortnight. I cannot see why an old lady like my mother would want to dance so much, and she won't come back at all till after the wedding. Perhaps not then. You must have a beat in your bonnet for calling people old. It is well for you that Lady Margaret did not hear you say she is one who is no longer young. Well, she is old. Gordon cried almost angrily. Her hair is snow-white. Snow-white! The Countess of Ravenhurst is so old that she is snow-white. That would be a joke for her rivals. What a sleepy-eyed child you were last night. Your sweet mother's fair, very fair, my lord. As to her age, what sort of grey head have you that your mother needs to be aged? Godfrey laughed merrily. My lord, "'Twas just eleven years last Christmas that the old bell rang out her welcome to Ravenhurst. Many a fine ballad was written and sung in honour of the gallant young Gordon and his bride, the White Rose of Douglas. Here you are trying to tell me she is old. Ay, even white-haired. Come, come, there are many who say the Countess of Ravenhurst is the most beautiful woman in Scotland. Her age, would you know it, is six-and-twenty, but none would guess it.' "'You have never spoken of my father before,' cried the lad. It hurt him to hear Godfrey speak so lightly of his mother. It could not be the same, that frail, sorrow-worn mother of last night, and this gay lady of the world. But had his mother ever spoken to him? Godfrey had found him asleep with his head against this fireplace, not that other one. Could all the long, strange talk of last night be but a dream? "'You never spoke of my father before,' he repeated. Please tell me of him. Where is he? You never asked before. I do not like to speak of sad things. He is dead, my lord. The old castle rang with hunt and song for two short years, and then Lady Margaret was a widow. Your father died quite suddenly, 
a bit of a cold caught while hunting was all it seemed at first but he was gone in a fortnight the boy sat looking up at the fireplace with a troubled countenance was the brave father of last night only a dream but it would not be wise to ask questions he was sure of that come come let us talk of more pleasant things my lord now if you wish lady margaret to be pleased with you when she returns see how much you can learn in a fortnight how the lad did study but then what else was there to do he had no playmates of his own rank others were too far beneath his dignity as heir of all ravenhurst how he longed for the old free days when he had no dignity so he put his whole heart into his studies and every scrap of work he did was saved to show his mother that little mother he had known but a few hours yet he loved her more than daddy abel yes more than mammy too his heart filled up when thinking of them yet he knew he loved her more she is really and truly my own mother that must be why when she comes home she will straighten out all the puzzles about the first night so he thought as he stored away those treasures sheet after sheet gordon had been hard at work for three weeks there was pride in his eye as he placed his last page upon the others godfrey smiled well my lord that pile in the drawer must be thick now what are you planning to do with them build a monument or use them for the breastworks of a fort oh you are laughing at me godfrey you see mother will come home in a day or two and i want to show them to her show her the last two or three then she would hold up her dainty hands in horror if she should see your first attempts uncle roger would laugh at them but she will not she will know i did my best anyway the last are better you used to say how much paper between those blots and now it's how many blots on that paper there is only one blot on this just the place where that h got its hump on the wrong side and i tried to turn it over it looks as if you turned the inkhorn over and a spider took a stroll across the page but never mind you will be a scribe some fine day oh godfrey see where the road turns the point of the cliff it's the carriage oh godfrey it's the carriage there goes the big bell and the boy was gone racing down halls sliding down banisters banging doors he arrived in three short minutes at the castle gate then he waited and then he thought he had been good that is he had been quiet for three long weeks now just when it was almost over he had been a wild man of the forest once more sir roger would hear oh well he was used to his uncle's sarcasm but his mother would she be angry the soldier just beside him there was a twinkle under those bushy eyebrows was he laughing he had saluted most gravely but if he were laughing and the heir of all Ravenhurst had disgraced himself before the soldiery. "'You see,' the lad gasped, "'you see, my mother is coming. "'You see, I forgot my dignity. "'Please, I could not help forgetting about it. "'I want her so.' The twinkle had grown till the grim old mouth was smiling also. "'Lady Margaret had come in, be she. "'No wonder ye swooped down on the wing. "'As you flew abandoned o'er the head, John, I could but just make my old eyes tell me twas the young laird himself, and know the gay laird Jamie o' the long ago. Jamie, you mean my father? Wasn't he always quiet? Did he ever forget his dignity? 
There was a chuckle low and rumbling in the grizzled soldier's throat. I do not mind the day when they had Jamie had a dignity to forget. If I was not hauling him doon from a battlement edge, I would be a fish in him Udo the moat. Twas his young worship, Laird Roger, that had had the dignity to be found for the Orkneys to land's in. But Laird Jamie, my ain bonny Jamie, he was ever bold and free as the winds of Ben Ender. Your father was a straight dawn, upstanding Scot, as were all o' the Gordon chiefs before him, and there will be na body who can ever turn ye into a prancing prig. You'll be as the earls who are no more, for ye are true splinter for the old Gordon Steel. But I ran in the halls, and I slid down the ban. Worry na more, none but the servants saw ye, nor lad nor lass o' them would tattle on ye for a bag of bobbies. But shh, Godfrey be coming, and he may howl to Sir Roger that ye broke o' the plumes o' your dignity if he find ye talking with a common soldier. Yet one word more, my lairdy, if ever ye had need, old Edwin's at your service. A thought flashed through Gordon's mind, keen and clear as the call of a curlew, an echo from that first night. Old Edwin, the gate warden, is true. When the tutor came sedately down the great stone steps, he beheld the heir of old Ravenhurst standing on the velvet sward gathering rosebuds. The old soldier? Never a stone in the ancient gateway was more rigid than he. The chains rattled and groaned as the drawbridge came creaking down across the moat. There was a hollow sound of horses' hoofs, and the carriage rolled in. Sir Roger stepped out, alone. My mother? The boy's voice had a choking sound. My mother? Is she ill? Oh, no, Gordon. There was no need for her to leave the merry-making. Matters of state brought me, but she may as well remain till the end. When will she come, uncle? In a week or so, perhaps. Have you studied well? The days slipped away one by one. It was fully six weeks since Sir Roger's return. Still the pile in the drawer grew. Gordon was placing his last task upon the others. Godfrey laid aside the grammar. Well, my lord, how soon will you need a new drawer for that collection? Mother will come in a day or two, surely. The drawer will not overflow before then. She will be so disappointed if she cannot see them all. Are you sure of it? I fear it is you who will be disappointed for your pains. When you carry that cartload to her, she will say, Run along, child, and do not trouble me with that rubbish. The maid must arrange my headdress. Don't, Godfrey, don't. My mother is not such a woman. I would hate her if she were like Sir Roger. Your mother is a most excellent lady. But have a little common sense. Do not trouble her with trifles. You have one grave fault, my lord. You are a dreamer. You will build an angel in your mind and named her mother. Then, forsooth, if the real lady fail to have golden wings, you will hate her. Have a care. Your dreams may cause the loss of your head one fine day. You worship a dream church, even as you worship that dream mother. No, Godfrey, it is you who are the dreamer. I think my mother is a true mother, just as Mommy Abel was. But I know that the church is true. My little lord, do you see the oaks over on Ben Ender? Last spring their leaves were tender green. They grew more beautiful with lengthening summer days. Now the glory of autumn is all but faded. A few more northern winters, and the oaks will be bare and ugly. They are a picture of your dream church. Fresh and fair in her beginning, 
but days of strength days of glory came and went and now she is all but dead oh no godfrey are the oaks dead because the leaves have fallen neither is the church of god dead now bravo there is eloquence as well as wit in that your brain will be as keen in argument as was laying sword steel in battle let your training be what it should and mark my words the day will come when the house of lords ay even the king himself will hang breathless upon your words oh it is not that i know how to argue but you have the wrong side godfrey the side that is not true always has a hole in it well is this a lesson or a tale in which you are so interested sir roger was standing beside them a letter in his hand pardon the interruption but lady margaret has sent good news it will be of great benefit to you in time oh is she coming home to-morrow what is it coming home oh no i doubt that you will see her again before you reach manhood she has been chosen maid of honour by the queen and must go to london at once sir roger withdrew he seemed in fine spirits gordon walked over to the window and stood there kicking his foot against the wainscoting whistling anything to conquer the tears then he walked slowly to the drawer took out that treasured pile and threw it on the coals he leaned against the mantel and watched them burn no he muttered no she was only a dream End of chapter 7